Well, I asked, where's the beef? Let's call this for what this is. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are so hopelessly woke. How dare you? <laughs> that is the intellectual capital of the left today. Give me a break. You are now watching the Daily Roundup. Hello, everybody at home and to my colleague in Alberta, Sydney Bazard. You're watching Rebel News' daily live stream, our daily roundup. And today is Monday, already into September. Monday, September, sorry, Tuesday. <laughs> what am I thinking? We had the long weekend and I'm all mixed up uh, right off the hop. Uh, today's Tuesday, September 5th, and you're joining us at the top of the hour. How are you doing in Alberta, Sid? I'm doing all right. There's, uh, of course, one of the stories we're going to talk about today is based out of Calgary. A uh, very interesting situation, to say the least. I look forward to jumping into that. Tamara, what about yourself? Yeah, doing well, thanks, apart from being mixed up on what day it is today. Um, so if you're joining us at home, we're streaming on a few different platforms, YouTube, Rumble, Getter, and Odyssey. I don't think we'll get into anything that contradicts the community standards at YouTube. So our stream should be safe keeping out on that platform, which does have very censorious regulations. But um, we'll try to keep it tidy and succinct because with the long weekend, we had Labor Day uh, holiday yesterday. Uh, there's so much news that came in since Friday, our last daily roundup stream. Uh, but first and foremost, we wanted to share with you, we have released the Kamloops documentary that Drea Humphrey, our British Columbia correspondent and videographer, Matt Brevner, conducted, oh gosh, I guess that was about a year ago now, um, when that was first released. And it shows it's aged very well because we see the mainstream media now reporting well, various media reporting, uh, that there have been no human remains found two years after the claims that there were these mass graves in the Shushwap, uh, at the Shushwap Residential School in British Columbia. And I think that resulted in the, the lighting of approximately 60, 68 churches across Canada, um, people who were on fire about the fact that there had been this discovery of mass graves at a residential school in British Columbia. And now two years later, we know that that, uh, that was not correct. And, you know, to use the term misinformation. And so we've released the documentary here that Drea and Matt conducted uh, over a year ago. You can find it at kamloopsdocumentary.com. And they went out and exposed the fact that what they were claiming that there was 215 children allegedly buried at this site, uh, the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Uh, I think I might have said Shushwap incorrectly. I'm thinking about the fires. Um, Sakumshi, sorry, my pronunciation is probably really off. Uh, First Nations Band in Kamloops, British Columbia is where this, the, the remains of 215 children were alleged to uh, be. That's not correct. That's been proven um, to not exist. And so the documentary goes into the nitty gritty of what exactly was claimed, why it should be challenged, and how there's no evidence to support the claim that 250 children were buried at this gravesite. It's not even a gravesite. Um, so this is just a really great rebel documentary that has aged really well and shows that the importance of sharing the other side of the story, of giving an alternative viewpoint, of being critical, of questioning the narrative, questioning the mainstream, what they're telling you, uh, and, and not taking it at face value, because there was a lot of discrepancies there that we didn't hear about at all from various mainstream media. And it was only through the 
very brave efforts of Drea and Matt that we were able to uncover some of the discrepancies with this story. So I would urge everybody to go check out that documentary, kamloopsdocumentary.com, aged really well. And if you want to support our work, you can do so at that website or just generally become a subscriber or donate to the general uh, rebelnews.com website because we do bring you very important work that you won't see anywhere else. So thanks for everybody for your continued support. Story about my long rant about how uh, kind of like I told you so <laughs> right off the onset. Um, but Sid, I know you had a you wanted to, to get right into things. And so should we talk about Tamara Leach first and foremost in her trial that started just today? Sure. Well, and I'm happy to say uh, in terms of that documentary, great coverage that they've presented. Uh, and as well, it, it is very important to note. I mean, look at all the frustration and all the rage we saw when there was, you know, the reports mm -hmm. came out that there might be, you know, hundreds of dead kids buried somewhere in the backwoods of Canada. Where is that same outrage now that we're finding out that that was completely fabricated? That same rage should be there that people lied about there being dead children to anger uh, millions of people. Uh, and I, I think it's a tragedy that we aren't talking about that more. Society is in up on this more instead most people are seeing this and it's already old news it's already forgotten about uh which is unfortunate to say the least but uh something that you know the our government would like to forget about of course is the freedom convoy uh but as you mentioned tamara leach uh, her trial is going to be starting up this week uh, do you want to fill me in on that a little bit yeah of course so uh tamara leach is on trial after she faced i think a collective almost 60 days in prison for allegations of misconduct and and essentially inciting misconduct. I mean, this is generally unheard of unless you're a political prisoner, like Tamara Leach has been in the Justin Trudeau era of the as he reigns over our country of Canada. Um, and so she was really an integral part in sort of the planning and the operation that was taking place on the downtown streets of Ottawa, Ottawa which included ensuring that there was always a pathway through. So uh, contrary to what the mainstream media told you, that this was an illegal blockade, and it was an occupation, the convoy participants always ensured that there was a laneway clear for things like emergency vehicles, police, traffic. Of course, it was an inconvenience. It was a headache. But that was the whole point of this protest was to bring national attention, international attention to this truly grassroots, largest civil liberties movement in modern history in in my history, um, after two years of being completely silenced and ignored by politicians, right? These were people who were trying to exercise their democratic process throughout the two years of the COVID hysteria and were being repeatedly shut out. There weren't the council, you know, you weren't having town council meetings, you weren't having city hall meetings in person. And if you didn't get onto the Zoom link, you couldn't express your opposition to the policies or the implementations that were coming forward because nothing was happening in person. You weren't even at that time allowed to gather in person. And so uh, once the, the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine mandates had come out, people had reached their tipping point, really. And uh, this was a culmination of frustration of everyday Canadians who were being prevented from conducting their jobs, namely the truckers who were being hindered by the cross-border vaccine mandate being implemented by both Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau. And they're, I would call them very inept <laughs> cabinet ministers. Um, and so Tamara Leach, as a result of this ongoing demonstration, was eventually arrested, detained uh, without bail for nearly 60 days. 
And now she's finally on trial this week. So the trial will run a few days this week, next week. I think they'll take a week break thereafter. And then it, so it'll be kind of dispersed throughout September and into October as well, kind of three, two to three days at a time each week. And so it's kicked off today. We have our videographer, Lincoln Jay, on the ground with our Ottawa-based freelance reporter, Robert Krejcik. And uh, maybe we'll just show you one of the videos. Uh, Lincoln and Robert are both tweeting on, or sorry, posting on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, so we have a little clip to share with you, and we can do so right now. Yeah, this is Tamara arriving to the courthouse this morning. Good, thank you. It's been a long time coming. That's it. It has. Well, Careful, guys. Careful, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you said this trial isn't about relitigating the Supreme Court, but about. Tamara, what do you have to say to the supporters out here today? Good morning. Oh, Tamara, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? How are you doing today, Miss Lee? Why was it this trial? Thank you. You're going to win. Yes, yeah, so you can see there that she had a lot of uh, supporters out on the street. We have a written update as well, just kind of a place that will compile all of the tweets and all of the coverage that we're doing. Uh, there's both a website for the Democracy Fund, who's crowdfunding Mara Leach's defense at no cost to her. And you can find that at helptamara.com. And there, if you donate there at the Democracy Fund, you can receive a taxable receipt. So your charitable donation can be claimed with your taxes at the end of the year. And then to support Rebel News' coverage, which is separate from the Democracy Fund, uh, you can do so at tr tamaratrial.com. So at that website, we've just published an update this morning that, again, compiles sort of the most notable uh, posts on X and uh, the notable coverage that we've done so far. So you have Robert Krejcik tweet, live tweeting. The Democracy Fund is also live tweeting the proceedings. And Lincoln Jay is outside of the courtroom to catch any notable activity that happens outside. Uh, so they've, it's a nice little website where you can stay up to date with real-time updates. And we also have one here from Tom Marazzo. He's, he's featured out front. So maybe we can just play this quick little clip of Tom Marazzo, who was also part of that organizational uh, structure of the convoy itself, figuring out the logistics and also trying to ensure that it remained peaceful and compliant with passerbys and the ability for people to still move in the downtown core, despite the massive amount of trucks and protesters seen in Ottawa at the early, early 2022. I'm just here today to support uh, Chris and Tamara's trial. Um, their lives are about to be turned upside down and I want to make sure that I'm standing beside my friends who I believe are being persecuted for wrong think and as political prisoners in this country. Um, as we've seen the whole entire time, they've been treated unfairly. Murderers get better treatment than what they've been getting. So I think this is the place that every Canadian should be that supported the convoy to be standing here side by side with Chris and Tamara. And that's why I'm here. I'm just here. 
What are your thoughts on that, Sid, as you see this situation unfolding and knowing, you know, you were part of uh, that the Coots blockade that happened in Alberta kind of simultaneously? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was present at the Coots blockade for 16 days. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. There's I see kind of two sides to this. One is the sense that there's the the Freedom Convoy Incorporated. There's Tamara Leach. Uh, there's these, uh, you know, organizers, you know, as they've been uh, coined uh, in Ottawa. We didn't have that in Alberta. And I, for the fact of the matter is the rest of the country didn't have that either. And even within Ottawa, these were, you know, the organizers of a small handful of people. Whereas the Freedom Convoy itself, even as I remember hearing it driving, you know, across the country to get to Ottawa, uh, it was it was just word of mouth. It was everyday people. It was a movement that was happening. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, we were looking up and seeing Tamara Leach as, you know, the, the leader of all of us. Um, which is why when it comes to this trial and, and the, the legal consequences she's been faced with, one, I think it's important that the people who were there supporting the Freedom Convoy also support her in this fight because she was the one who they picked off amongst the crowd to send a message to the crowd. Um, it, but on the other hand, it, it's, uh, well, it's unfortunate to say the least that this is even happening in the first place. And of course, we've seen other individuals from across the country being detained for extended periods of time like this. Uh, it, it is very punitive, in my opinion. Uh, and I believe what one of the charges here was mischief, I believe. Um, and we get mm -hmm. we get people all the time, uh, as uh, uh, Tom Raza was saying, people that are murderers, people that are violent offenders, people that are uh, rapists, pedophiles that are being released on bail. And then these individuals, such as Tamara Leach, I mean, she spent roughly 60 days behind bars. Uh, much less than some of the other individuals, especially out of Coots. But regardless, um, this does really seem like an attack on her uh, as a means of attacking the Freedom Convoy movement, which is why I do think that those who were there supporting the Freedom Convoy should also be there to support her. Absolutely. Yeah, the injustice there in the um, inability to fairly enforce the law on on individuals um, really is has been highlighted, I think, throughout the COVID hysteria and the COVID narrative and uh, the Freedom Convoy, especially because you see these repeat offenders just willy nilly let off on bail more and more. It's, it's happening almost all the time. And yet, if you have somebody who is opposed politically to the regime, which is quite literally what the Justin Trudeau liberals called themselves, and their heavy-handed COVID response was the regime. Um, anybody who's opposed to that regime and, you know, the necessity or the justification of public health measures, though, like, people like Tamara Leach, they were held in jail for nearly 60 days without bail for, really, these are petty charges. We have it in the first uh, paragraph, the first sentence of the write-up published this morning. Uh, Leach is being charged with mischief, obstructing police, and counseling others to commit mischief and intimidation. Those are her allegations. Uh, of course, these have not been proven in a court of law. So that's what we're seeing happening now is uh, her trial. And um, these are really concerning. This is really concerning because people who face much more extreme, aggressive, actual violence, right? Um, counseling others to commit mischief. Well, that's not even actually committing mischief. Um, and so when we see that these offenders are released willy-nilly on bail all the time throughout Canada, thanks to uh, this, this, these decriminalization efforts by the Justin Trudeau liberals, um, this is really concerning that someone who simply opposed government overreach and wanted to uphold what we thought we had, which was chartered rights and the freedom to assemble and the freedom to protest, um, they're treated 
like they're some sort of hardened criminal. Meanwhile, the hardened criminal is getting out on bail. This is completely backwards. It's an arbitrary placement of the law. And uh, it really speaks to the political landscape that we face in this country. And I think that that's why this trial is so important and so pivotal is to see if we actually have, like if truth and justice will actually prevail or has it been captured by political science, just like medical science has been captured by political science. Yeah. Well, and this really reminds me of the story that we're going to be talking about next. Uh, but before we jump to that, I know we do have an ad break. And on the subject of the Freedom Convoy, before we you know jump away, uh, remember, they brought in the Emergencies Act to handle this. They brought in police basically beating protesters, beating peaceful protesters en masse because they couldn't handle the peaceful protests that were taking place in the capital, uh, along with the rest of the country, of course. Um, and that's the extent that they went to. And I, I smile because of this next story. I, I just think it's, it, it blows my mind. The, the difference here in how the government treats these people. And you coined it perfectly. It's, it's their dissidents towards the government, towards the regime that caused these actions against them. It wasn't that they were actually violent. It wasn't that they were actually trying to obstruct police. It's simply the fact that they were going against the government. Um, and I think that's a very important thing to remember as we go to uh, the next story here, which I, it shouldn't make me laugh, but it does just because of how insane it is. Uh, and I'm not sure maybe we should jump to an ad break before we get mm -hmm. to that one. Yeah, let's do a quick ad break and we'll come back to uh, more of the, as I always coin it, the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The Wellness Company's Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. Oh, hey guys, thanks for watching the live stream and sorry for interrupting, but I just wanted to pop on to tell you about this incredible sweatshirt that I'm wearing, but also all the other great merchandise that we have available at rebelnewsstore.com. We're adding new stuff all the time. So be sure to keep checking. Even if you shop today, there might be something new tomorrow. And if you are shopping, be sure to use the coupon code Sheila10 for 10% off at checkout. Again, it's rebelnewsstore.com, coupon code Sheila10 for 10% off at checkout. All right, Sid, do you want to take the lead on this uh, next clip? It happened in Alberta and Calgary. All right. Now, remember, just before the ad break, we were talking about how the peaceful protesters from the Freedom Convoy basically had Trudeau invoke the Emergencies Act to bring basically police brutality onto the masses of peaceful protesters. Now, we've got something a little different going on here in Alberta. Um, this recently happened in Calgary. Before then, it happened in Edmonton. Before then, it happened in Toronto. Um, but there is this massive clash that broke out between 150 people um, that were literally rioting in the streets of Calgary with weapons. Uh, attacking each other. I don't know if we have uh, the clip. We have uh, uh, one of the mm -hmm. tweets covering this event. Um, but we live in a state in Alberta where you've got 
mass rioting. And actually, uh, what, what I, I'm going to mispronounce the name. I apologize of the country. Etria, uh, Etrian. I, I, I don't know why I have difficulty with that uh, pronunciation. Um, but that is the, the country that these individuals are from, or at least uh, demonstrating for and demonstrating against at the same time here. There's one group uh, that is for the regime, for the government there, and they were celebrating an anniversary of sorts. And then there's another group that's against the government. Um, and they started clashing. Uh, now, there's a long, you know, backstory there into their own country and the the violence that's been had and the the fact that there are no opposition parties and peaceful protesting is illegal. People get killed for protesting. Aside from all of that, we live in Canada um, and they're bringing what a, a police officer actually told me yesterday as I bumped into one at the coffee shop here in Calgary. He said this is literally tribal warfare from their country that is being brought here. Uh, and that's what we're seeing on the streets of Calgary. And I believe there haven't been any police arrests yet. There Maybe that has changed. Uh, but from the last understanding that we had is that there was really no police action that was being had. These people were just being left willy-nilly to fight amongst each other in the streets. And what is one police officer coined to me is tribal warfare um, in Canada, in Jody Gondek's city of Calgary. Um, Tamara, uh, this story just blows my mind in so many different ways. Um, and I know we do have Adam Sos. Uh, he's doing some really great on-the-ground coverage of this story, uh, finding out a little bit more from some of the residents in that area, some of the business owners in that area, to find yeah. out exactly how all this was allowed to happen. Uh, but Tamara, what, what, do you, what do you make when you see all this? Yeah, well, I think as you're seeing on the screen here, this is video footage shared from a small business who was obviously calling the police. They were scared for probably their lives, but um, also their possessions. You know, their cars are out in the parking lot getting hit with bats and sticks and crowbars and rocks and other whatever else um, was being thrown and tossed around. Uh, so they're scared for their safety. They're scared for their vehicles. They're scared for their businesses. And, yeah. you know, I really wanted to to highlight Ezra's tweet here when he shared this clip, which happened, this happened on Saturday, uh, September the 3rd, or sorry, Sunday, September the 3rd. Um, and, and he says here, 150 migrants rioting with weapons in Calgary, and there are no arrests, right? That's the real kicker in this story here is that no one has been arrested in connection with this riot, weaponized yielding riot. Uh, Calgary's yeah. partisan police chief only arrests peaceful Christian pastors like Archer Pavlowski and Tim Stevens or kids playing ice hockey like Ocean Wiesblatt. I hope I pronounced yeah. that last name correctly. I'm similarly struggling today, <laughs> as you said. But, you know, this really shows, as I said before the ad break, the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy where they are not um, uniformly applying law and order. Law and order is only if you are clashing with your own government. If you're bringing your own grievances from your, your own country and you're clashing with other fellow members of your country, regardless of if it's violent or not, well, here, you have it. There's there's no arrest. There's no law and order. You're just left to your own devices. Um, and meanwhile, if you have someone like Archer Pawlowski or Tim Stevens who's questioning the validity and the necessity and the justification of public health measures uh, like um, freedom to assembly and and freedom of religion when they were prevented from doing those things throughout the COVID hysteria, from gathering in their church, from from praising the Lord, from doing their ceremonies um, and their prayers and gathering with their community. 
those are the people that are violently arrested in the streets. Um, Archer Pawlowski, I don't know if we have any, we could show a, a clip here just to give you some contextualized reference in terms of what his arrest looked like as he was driving away from simply conducting a, a, a mass, a sermon, giving his community a sermon. He was taken down on one of the main highways um, of Calgary. And yet you can have 150 migrants riding with weapons in a parking lot and there are no arrests. This is, you know, absolutely bizarro upside down world. Yeah. Well, and, you know, like as the, I can, I, I'm still surprised the officer said it so bluntly to me, um, but it's like this is literally tribal warfare in Canada. There's 150 people engaging in tribal warfare in Alberta with weapons trying to hurt each other. And this is the same and none of them got arrested. And this is the same city where people get ticketed and arrested for honking. There is an injunction the city laid against honking for protesters uh, that were advocating in support of the freedom uh, uh, demonstrations that were taking place over the last few years. Honking is illegal, but if you're from some, you know, whatever country, no offense uh, to the particular country, but if you're from whatever country and you engage in tribal warfare from that country here, that's okay. Um, yeah, that that's the state of affairs in Calgary. It still blows my mind. And this is actually, um, I see we have, uh, I'm going to jump slightly ahead two links down uh, to a tweet from Andy No uh, about the Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and they had a very large demonstration uh, that was uh, uh, parallel to this in Israel recently over the weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And he, now same I'm day. not necessarily, you know, taking the same stance there, but he called for mass deportation of African migrants uh, from Israel uh, because of this conflict. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that. However, if you're importing people into your country en masse and they start to take on these traits of extreme violence towards each other in your country, where you're also inviting people from around the world, not just their, you know, segment of society, well, they have to get along. And clearly, this is an example of them not getting along. Now, are we going to keep on importing people from these countries while these issues aren't resolved? I think that's a very dangerous precedent to set. Um, at, at the mm -hmm. very least, if you're going to bring somebody to Canada, you're going to have migrants come to your country. You lay out the ground rules. Hey, you no know, beating each other in the streets. You know, there, there are certain laws that we have in place that we'd like to uphold. Peaceful protest is allowed. It's accepted. It's welcomed, you know, unless you're going up against the government, let's say. Uh, but stuff like this is just it's a little too much. It's a little too much for home. Well, it's clear disruption of public safety. Yeah. And we actually, yeah. we have a, uh, an update here to share with you um, from the, the Calgary police from their newsroom. So the violent conflict in Falcon Ridge, that must, that's the area in Calgary in which this happened. Um, so the police say here at approximately 5 p.m. today, uh, Saturday, September 2nd, Sorry, so I was wrong there at the beginning. It was Saturday, September 2nd, when this conflict broke out, uh, same day that it happened in Israel. Officers responded to the Northeast community of Falcon Ridge for reports of two groups engaged in violence. It is believed up to 150 people were initially involved. Upon arrival, operators, op officers separated the group, um, engaged in conflict, and de-escalated the situation as many of those involved were brandishing weapons. Uh, so there it is. They consider this to be a serious event and they've dedicated resources to keep the peace. This is not a protest. It's a violent conflict between two groups with opposing views. And yet yeah. no one was arrested. Uh, we are working with our city partners to ensure public safety and are actively investigating all associated criminal activity, including violence 
and property damage. They ask Calgarians to avoid the community for the time being in the areas that the officers are addressing. Their primary goal is to ensure public safety. And they're only working with public, uh, with, with involved groups to maintain the peace. They're not making any arrests. They're only working with city partners to ensure public safety. I mean, what in the woke jargon is this? Every single one of those people holding a weapon should get charged with mischief. Period. I mean, like, look at Tamara Leach. Look at what we were just talking about. She spent 60 days behind bars. Uh, she's got this ridiculous trial going on. And she could spend years in prison because she took a, uh, she, she stood for a peaceful protest. Now we got 150 people out there with weapons attacking each other. Where are the <laughs> mischief charges? Where? I'm waiting for it. I, I, I want 150 mischief charges. And are Calgary police going to deliver? Probably not. But that's the state of affairs. Well, it reminds me too of, you know, we provided extensive coverage throughout COVID of the freedom protests that were happening each weekend in various cities all across Canada, the major cities, and even small little towns had gatherings every weekend, every Saturday, every Sunday, um, simply peaceful protests saying, you know, is, is this justified? And what happened to our chartered rights, right? We have these freedoms, we have these chartered rights, and we want to see them upheld. And that's mm -hmm. literally all people were out there doing and, and gathering connections and talking amongst each other. And police uh, would be out there with facial recognition cameras to yeah, try to surveil the attendees. And then they would later mail them tickets, right? You would receive a, a ticket in the mail if you were caught, you know, if they saw your license plate or if they were able to identify your face through their facial recognition technology. Um, and so I wonder how many of these migrants that were engaged in actual violence, they weren't just out there civilly uh, doing civil disobedience or protesting. Um, I wonder how many of them will be facially recognized and have tickets show up at their house thereafter. I mean, and th that to me isn't even enough. They, there needs to be some arrests here and uh, restore restoration of public order and public safety because it's insane to think that Tamara Leach is charged with mischief, obstructing police, and counseling others to commit mischief. And she sat in jail for nearly 60 days without bail. Meanwhile, you can have violent conflict in the street and will work with community partners to ensure safety. I, I This doesn't seem like it's an effective strategy to me. Well, and I still remember, as you mentioned, uh, there's uh, photos of uh, our very own David Menzies. Uh, he was on site of one of the demonstrations a year or two ago, and they sent him a ticket in the mail because he shook hands with uh, somebody yeah. who was at the demonstration. I remember seeing with my own eyes back in Toronto, there was a lady who was simply demonstrating with a megaphone, uh, much like the Christian preachers one on the corner. She was just there saying what she had to say on the, the, the megaphone, whatever there, uh, and they arrested her simply for that. Uh, and I, I remember in Calgary, again, there was a, an Antifa demonstration and there's a Freedom Convoy demonstration. And there is a bit of mingling there that could be that could constitute clashing, uh, not nearly like what we're looking at here. Um, and what did the Calgary police do? They basically evicted all of the demonstrators from everywhere. They pushed them outside of this whole park area that they were in. Uh, and what do we see here? They're, it looks like they're standing on the sidelines, just kind of enjoying the show almost like you saw that one little fist bump there. Now, not to say that that's a, a fist bump, you know, 
you go do that violence, it's probably like a fist bump, like I appreciate the fact that you're not going to engage in violence. But the fact of the matter is, look what's going on. And now this is uh, <laughs> some old footage we got here. Yeah, and they're arresting uh, uh, another lady, taking her speaker set. Uh, this, this is the kind of action that they took against peaceful demonstrators against COVID. And yet this is at least the third time we've seen these Etrian, pardon my, uh, pardon my mispronunciation, uh, Etrian demonstrations across the country. We saw the Riot Act implemented in Edmonton recently uh, because of these same demonstrations. We saw a violent clash in Toronto because of these same demonstrations. And now we're seeing it in Calgary. And it's only escalating because they're not doing anything about it. They're, they're allowing these violent demonstrations to take place because these violent demonstrators simply don't care about the Canadian government. That's not the target here. They're not trying to make any change, any political effect. Um, they just like... <laughs> It, it, it's really sad. I mean, obviously, they want better for their own country. Um, but uh, I was looking uh, yesterday at a few reports of the Etrian, you know, disputes that have been taking place. And time and time again, the those who are demonstrating for the government and those who are demonstrating against the government will both accuse the other of starting the violence so that they themselves aren't, you know, um, uh, they don't have as much issue with themselves engaging in that very same violence. They blame the other and then they say, and, and they're all protesting for peace and peaceful, you know, resolution. They're both fighting for that, but they're fighting violently for that. It, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. I think you brought up a good point there that there's just simply no repercussions for yeah. this kind of action. And that's, that's becoming clear. And it's, it's very clear uh, just simply based on this hypocritical response from the Calgary police um, we have another clip here to share from a gentleman, Devlin Gannon, who was brutally arrested for, like you mentioned, Sid, yeah. just simply protesting the COVID regime. And that, that clip there comes from uh, March 30th, 2022. So by 2022, we know that the various measures, the public health responses to COVID instituted on everybody indiscriminately by our governments, various jurisdictions, various levels of government were not working. And yet here you see this protester thrown to the ground, violently handled, um, and really kind of sending a message to everybody else. I mean, yeah, look at, sorry for the graphic content here and lack of warning, but um, this is just absolutely absurd that a peaceful demonstrator would be, a, a peaceful Canadian demonstrator would be treated so brutally, with such disregard for humanity, really. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, you have weapon brandishing, violent migrants clashing in the public street. No. And the response of the Calgary police is, we are working with city partners to ensure public safety. Please stay out of the area. Yeah. No, and I still remember that day with Devlin. And, you know, it was kind of funny that day, actually. Um, and I say funny, you know, but uh, that day, Devlin, again, he's, uh, he tries to do a lot of reporting, uh, especially within the Freedom Convoy demonstrations. And that day, there was the, a large Freedom Convoy group and a small group of Antifa. Uh, and the police engaged to break up a small fight between two individuals off in the distance. And that escalated into them literally blocking off the entire park. They kicked everybody out. Uh, and I remember that day, I, I don't think the, the Freedom demonstrators or the the Antifa were happy with the way that police were conducting themselves. They, it was almost an indiscriminate push against everybody who was there to get everybody out. That that was immediate action. That was a rapid. That was rapidly undergone. Um, and, and yet, what what do they do? They do nothing for literal violent tribal warfare in Calgary. I think it's important too. I don't know if um, Super Producer Efron can pull up the clip of Ocean 
uh, the, the teenager mm-hmm. who was just trying to play some shinny on a hockey on an ice rink um, in Calgary throughout the peak hysteria. I don't know if we can we have that clip handy, um, but you see the police ab get extremely triggered because he's like, "Why? Why are you not letting us get outside and play? Like there is no risk of outdoor viral spread. It's never been a scientifically validated fact. Um, mm-hmm. It's never been proven to even exist furthermore. And yet you saw police taking similar brutal action on these teenagers who had been prevented from all socialized aspects of their lives for several months by the time the ocean was actually um, taken down. But uh, yeah, here we have we have his clip. He was arrested for obstruction and resisting arrest after he was apparently um, found to be in non-compliance with public safety protocols. Like this is yeah. just some young guy on the ice trying to play shinny with his friends. Well, hear me out, Tamara. I mean, remember how bad COVID was. If he was going to go skate on that ice rink alone, with e- even without his friends, he would have gotten COVID. That's how bad it was. You know, and I start, what was it in Manitoba? Or probably, you know, elsewhere as well. You couldn't gather in groups of more than 10 or it was considered mm-hmm. illegal. I mean, you, I, I know people in Alberta, their family, they have eight children. It was illegal for them to have all of their children but, in their home. I mean, until it was like the, you know, one household, two household policy. But you had so, they had so many children in their household that there was no way that they could abide by the health restrictions. That's how insane things yeah. got. Uh, and now, I mean, actually, I think we'll, we'll jump to it in a moment. Uh, maybe you want to go to an ad break first. Uh, but just some of the rhetoric that's coming out of our politicians as of late and politicians around the world about the vaccines themselves, the very thing that was supposed to lift the restrictions for us. Uh, but I don't know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll hold on a moment before we get to that. But uh, across the country, there's just a ge- degeneration. Uh, of everything. We look around, we see food banks, we see uh, 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 opioid crisis, uh, crises, I guess, taking place. Uh, there's so many things going wrong right now. And, and Tamara, mm-hmm. I know you've done some great work on this. And recently, uh, you were actually in Coburg, uh, where you're kind of seeing the development of this in your own small neighborhood. Yeah, and before we get to that, I just want to note also that this, the, this violence um, coming from migrant groups is not exclusive to Calgary. Uh, over the weekend, there was also an incident in Brampton, Ontario, where there was, I can't even believe that I'm saying this, but there was literally a sword fight in the street, leaving the poster of the video to ask, what is happening in Canada? And maybe we can just play this short clip for everybody at home. Um, because this is, you know, over the course of one weekend, two events, uh, this is really concerning. Have a look. Oh, yeah, graphic warning on this. Sorry. I mean, the thing, I think we can just cut the clip. Sorry, I should have given a bit more of a graphic warning on that. But uh, brandishing a sword. Um, and again, I, it all comes back to, for me anyway, to public safety. 
And so you saw the way that we, that Canada and the politicized police treated peaceful protesters throughout the COVID regime. And that was allegedly to uphold public safety. It was for the greater good. You had to stay home and shelter inside and be isolated from everyone and anyone, including um, a a non-living rock on a beach. Because if you went outside, you were going to maybe, I remember Doug Ford, Premier of Ontario, said on one of his uh, press conferences, you could bring COVID in on your shoe, right? Like if you were outside walking and you got, you stepped in COVID and what if you brought it inside? And the fear-mongering, the rhetoric that was espoused by government officials through the talking points of public health was all supposed to be for the greater good. It was for public safety. And now we're seeing clear instances where public safety is being put at risk and there's no arrests and they can are just free to conduct themselves in this manner in a parking lot. Um, and, and, and likely that would be because, well, diversity is our strength, right? Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would have you believe that diversity is our strength. And now we see clashing culture wars coming into tribal wars, as, as the one police officer put it to you, said, coming and infiltrating into our country. And Canadians better not care, because if we make a ruffle about that being a public safety concern, I would would tend to believe that you will be labeled as a racist, xenophobic bigot. Well, if and, you question you know, this. Well, and as uh, we brought up that sword fighting clip, when I first uh, saw that that was brought up, I actually thought that was an older clip of a sword fight that took place in Brampton, um, because this isn't the first time. Um, but, yeah. you know, the thing about this is this is what an actual cultural mosaic looks like. You want a little picture of this one, a little picture of that one, a little picture of this one over there. And some of those happen to be extremely violent and don't actually work with the other pieces on the mosaic. Um, so the mosaic is going to turn into a bloodbath, basically. Uh, and I think right now, an important thing for us, you know, as Canadians and those who come to be Canadian is to really uh, have a, a, a revisiting of what a Canadian identity is. Uh, and I think that would actually solve a lot of these problems is especially over the last few years and even longer than that, what is a Canadian identity? Um, Especially if you look through COVID, is a Canadian identity lockdowns and a horrible prime minister? I mean, that's how most people feel about it. I mean, we're at a point now where there's there's an interview I saw recently, and we touched on this uh, in a previous episode or a previous live, uh, about this guy was asked, you know, what was the biggest mistake you made in your life? Coming to Canada, he said, point blank, coming to Canada. It was a horrible decision. Uh, He's losing money left and right, basically. He can't create a life for a future for himself. Um, and, and I think if we did actually focus on what a Canadian identity is and actually cherishing Canadians, uh, as, a spo- as opposed to just bringing in as many people as we can and giving them that Canadian uh, I- identity, as opposed to ingraining an identity in them. Well, I think these are very different things. And we need to have a serious conversation about that, uh, especially because we do have very, as Canadians or as Canada, we do have very high migratory targets uh, to achieve or that we've, you know, to achieve, quote unquote, um, it's an issue that we're going to have to deal with. And we're going to have to deal with more as time goes on. Mm-hmm. If and unless I, we I put think, a stop to it. Well, and what is a Canadian identity? And throughout the last few years, we've seen that that's largely just being compliant, right? People now just identify with, well, if the government tells me that's what I'm going to do. If that's no. what's being imposed on to me, well, then I better comply. And so I think we need to break free from this idea that uh, Can- Canadians' identities lie in their levels of compliance. Because, you know, you can see these individuals in these clips, they're not complying 
with the, mm-hmm. the rules and the regulations and the laws of our country. And um, those have, are things that have been in place for a very long time that have worked well up until this point. Whereas if you were not complying or questioning the rules and regulations of the COVID regime, that was because these were novel, never before seen, unprecedented measures imposed on the public um, that disregarded any of the evidence-based recommendations that we had in place to deal with uh, a quote-unquote pandemic um, that we had in place prior to this unleashing in uh, North America. But regardless, if you question those rules and regulations, you were treated harshly and and violently. Um, but if you don't abide by the laws and the rules of Canada, well, then we'll just work with our community partners and try to keep the area safe by telling you to not go there. Um, yep. very backwards, but anyway, let's, well, we have a couple super chats here. Uh, just mm-hmm. sorry. We have a super chat from Sharon Donner, 78 says, whose responsibility is it to issue any arrests for the Saturday tribal riot? Well, I'm sure the police got a lot of evidence. Uh, you know, usually they do arresting. Um, so I, I'd imagine there's some responsibility that falls on their hands. Um, in terms of the mayor, Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek, well, tell me, what has she said about the incident? Uh, has she taken a strong stand? Has she taken a stand? Uh, and then, you know, obviously there's uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and there's Daniel Smith, the Premier of Alberta. Um, hopefully there'll be some uh, interjection they can bring into the situation. Obviously, Trudeau, I wouldn't hope for much. Um, but, I mean, we, we saw the rhetoric that he imposed on people who were opposed to him. Um, I, I would be very surprised if you were to say anything about this at all. Yeah, that's right. Just sweep it under the rug and on to the next thing. Anyway, we'll go to a quick ad break and then we'll come back and chat uh, just very quickly about the proliferation of open air drug use in this country and arguably coming to a small town near you if it doesn't, if it's not curbed sometime soon. Yeah. Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies. And you'll also get to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumlupshiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true? and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone and it's hmm. definitely not. It's like the chief. Yeah, there's that documentary that I mentioned in the at the onset of the Daily Roundup stream. 
where mm-hmm. rebel reporters were bang on. It's a documentary that has aged so well. You know, you see sometimes like the reposts or the shares on social media. Oh, this post aged well. Well, that's a documentary that Rebel News brought you over a year ago, and it has aged so well in light of the fact that it has not been determined that any remains existed at this Kamloops uh, residential school site where it was hysterically espoused that the remains of 215 children, (gasps) gasp, shock and awe, were laid buried. Um, And so none of that has been able to be ascertained and has in fact in fact been shown to be otherwise so i would we've now released the documentary on our platforms for your viewing pleasure and you can find it at camloopsdocumentary.com now over the weekend i was downtown coburg uh where they run the one of ontario's largest or sorry oldest farmers markets and there was a group of, of concerned residents there who are opposing the proliferation of uh, harm reduction and safe supply advocates in the area. Um, The week prior, there was a tent there at the farmer's market and it was being run, or sorry, a vendor. It was being run by this group called Moms Stop the Harms. And I went down there to check it out too. I was going to point some questions to the vendor, Moms Stop the Harms, and also to talk to some of these concerned Coburg residents. And, and I guess it's actually Northumberland County as a whole kind of branches out of Coburg, but encompasses all of the rural communities in and around the area. And the Mom Stop the Harms vendor was not there at the farmer's market. So I was surprised to see that. Um, but I think this, this is approximately a 30 second clip. And so it's just my little kind of teaser as to the full report, which I hope will be coming out either later this afternoon or tomorrow. So let's just have a quick look at this clip. A small group of concerned Coburg residents gathered once again at the farmer's market this week. Their message is clear. Stop the normalization of drug abuse. This report, including updates on recent unfoldings in the town of Coburg, will follow soon. So please make sure that you follow along on either my account, Tamara Ugolini, or at rebelnews.com. Yeah, you can see as the clip kind of continues there, this is a cordoned off church um, where open air drug use happens every day, all throughout the day. This was taken in broad daylight, uh, just before noon on Saturday. And, um, it's really sad to see kind of the, the culmination of effects that this has had on the community and really lends to questioning why an advocacy group like Mom Stop the Harms, who advocate to destigmatize drug abuse, drug use, and they advocate for harm reduction and safe supply, why the farmer's market is an appropriate venue for that kind of advocacy work. Um, So as I mentioned, I'll have a full report out where I spoke to some of the attendees and I kind of give a broad update in terms of what's happening in this town, which was once coined Ontario's feel good town. Um, And I guess some people are feeling a little bit better than others. But, uh, but it's really a culmination of effects that's been transpiring over the past several months. Um, And, and really concerning in 2022 the crime index showed that the 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 occurrence of violent aggressive crimes has increased by 42 percent in the town of Coburg in 2022 alone Um, and that's arguably due to one particular murder that happened in broad daylight in the downtown core on a Monday morning in 2022 um, and it is suspected to be drug related 
So this, there, there's a, a lot going on um, in this small community, population of roughly 20,000 people. And I think that if it doesn't start to be addressed immediately and, and political steps and actions taken to curb this, it is going to come to a city or a town near you. And that's why we've launched a campaign and a petition at fixourcities.com. That's that website will house all of our, our reports on this kind of this topic. You know, and as we saw in Toronto, the Leslieville shooting, uh, where the harm reduction employee at the Safe Supply Centre has been arrested in conjunction to a shooting that happened out front of the safe supply or the safe injection site. Um, she was arrested in connection to the, the murder of a mother of two who was just simply strolling the sidewalk and got caught in drug-related crossfire. Um, and so as violence and crime kind of follows these safe injection sites, these overdose prevention sites, whatever you want to coin them, the, the theory of harm reduction and safe supply, you know, I think that we should start seeing more accountability of those individuals who advocate for this when crime and violence ensues. Um, and taking this to a farmer's market, just the residents were so disgruntled that this was appropriate. And so anyway, I don't want to give too much away from my full report, but we did reach out to the farmer's market. And um, if you haven't already, sign up at that website so that you can be notified when that report comes out. That, that's fixourcities.com. Really sad. Um, all right. So in other news, some more international topics, we have New Zealand's prime minister uh, <laughs> essentially blaming their own citizens for taking the mandatory COVID-19 novel mRNA injections uh, to simply keep their jobs and feed their families, right? This, this wasn't coerced onto you, you silly peasants. You made a choice. It was your own free will. Let's have a clip, uh, a look at this clip. Um, in terms of the vaccine mandates, I acknowledge that it was a challenging time for people, but they made ultimately made their own choices. Yeah. There was no there was no compulsory vaccination. People made their own choices. Um, for anybody who paid attention during that time, you I, the best I can do is sigh because that is so backwards as to how the vaccines were framed and pushed indiscriminately onto. The population at large. I mean, here in Canada, we even have the had the Privy Council office conducting behavioral modification studies to determine how to ensure uptake of the vaccine would be brought across all demographics. They wanted to ensure that nothing would compromise the safe and effective narrative that was being espoused by all government officials and public health overlords. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, as we see that things like the vaccine injury support program and vaccine injury at large increasing, oh, we better backpedal now and pretend like it was all your choice. It was your choice all along. If you wanted to lose your house and and starve your family because you didn't want to submit to a vaccine mandate in your workplace, well, that was your choice. That's really the, the disgruntling and um, injustice of this all is who's accountable and how do we hold them to it? Well, and I don't say this to, you know, sound too cross or too rude about the situation, but I mean, what this guy's saying is basically like, look, you could have killed yourself. I mean, you didn't have to take the vaccine. You could have just walked off a cliff, right? That, that's, that's essentially the crux of what this guy's saying here. 
And it's the same thing as Trudeau. And it's, you know, there's this push for the new vaccines and this and that. Uh, and I understand, what was it? There was a, a new one that got approved recently somewhere in Europe uh, for the new variant of the vaccine. Uh, they're going to keep pushing this as much as they possibly can. And it's the same thing like Trudeau. He said the same thing, right? We didn't force you to do it. What about all the federal workers out there? I mean, he hired hundreds of federal or government employees, I should say, over his tenure in office. Uh, and he forced them to take the vaccine. Otherwise, they would lose their job. Uh, he did that to people across the country. I don't know how many people killed themselves because their family rejected them for Christmas dinner, for Thanksgiving dinner, because they wouldn't take the vaccine. It, it, it's not just about these politicians, you know, strapping you to a chair and, and doing it themselves and planting that into you. It's about the societal uh, pressure, the economic pressure. There are, there are so many things that they did to push this ball down the road. And, and now they want to say, oh, my hands are clean. <laughs> I'm Sorry, but anybody with with two brain cells to rub together can figure out just how evil these people really are. Uh, and I, I, I'm personally offended, actually, even though I'm not even from New Zealand, I'm personally offended that this guy <laughs> would come out there and say that. I remember when he got elected during that time, and I think it was uh, Avi Yamini, of course, our amazing Australian reporter, he brought up like, wow, look, this guy's even worse than the person he replaced uh, because of some of the rhetoric he was using at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's complete audacity to, to think that he can just stand up there and say that with almost a grin on his face. Um, but, you know, that is the political class. That is a politician for you. Um, and, and it's it's a shame. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit rambling on, Tamara. What do you have to think about that? Yeah, I mean, you make a, I think that's a great point that he's a politician and there's no skin off his back, right? He's okay. He's still getting paid. He was never um, negatively affected by the mandates or the imposition that he put down onto his population. And if you want to take personal offense, well, we have the same, the pretty much verbatim uh, rhetoric coming from Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who uh, campaigned in 2021 during the snap election on the wedge issue of COVID-19 vaccination. He called people who weren't getting vaccinated far right, uh, misogynist, science-denying, bigots. Um, he, he said, how dare you put our kids at risk? Don't think. I mean, we have a whole montage of all the times Justin Trudeau espoused really dangerous segregationist rhetoric throughout the campaign trail, um, where he vilified and dehumanized people who were making a medical choice contrary to the government's pharma funded wishes. Isn't and, the Liberal uh, Party's, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, isn't the Liberal Party's current campaign uh, uh, pitch to impose mandatory vaccination? Like, they're not done. They're still saying this is the way to go. And maybe that's changed. Uh, but I know at least a couple of months ago, they were still saying that mandatory vaccination is the way to go in their campaigning. Yeah, I think that was a not quite updated policy platform mm -hmm. um, that was still present from their campaign okay. trail in 2021 yeah. 2022 but yeah i mean i why would why would we put that past them at this point look at the way that the the liberals have handled themselves over the last few years um yeah. maybe we have this this clip here that we can play of trudeau basically saying the exact same thing as new zealand's uh prime minister yeah those are allowed to make their own choices there may be all sorts of different reasons why someone is hesitant to get vaccinated and therefore while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated. Enforcement <laughs> measures in place will make sure that everyone is vaccinated. People to have their jobs, to keep their jobs, were forced to Enforcement have the measures. vaccination. Now, do you retract your statement that they were not forced? 
Uh, Senator, no, I, I believe firmly that nobody was forced to have a vaccine. There's people that don't want this mandatory vaccine. How do we manage well, this? Well, then they won't be going to work. Okay. It's very, very simple. I believe everybody was offered an opportunity to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. I don't believe that anybody was forced to take a vaccine. We have said no, you must get vaccinated. Um, in terms of the vaccine mandates, I acknowledge that it was a challenging time for people, but they made, ultimately made their own choices. A vaccine mandate is being expanded to around 40% of all workers. You basically see it to two different classes of people. If you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights. If you are vaccinated... That is what it is. So, yep, hospitality, hairdressers and gyms can operate at all levels if they ask customers for a vaccine certificate. There was no, there was no compulsory vaccination. People made their own choices. And so it follows that if customers must be vaccinated, then so too must the workers. Yeah. Oh, um... Okay, well, I think Tamara might be uh, uh, frozen there for a moment, but I, I, I'm just going to, you know, say, look at the audacity. Look at them. All, all of these world leaders, um, they all stick to the same lines. Remember when build back better was the phrase that they use? Well, now all of a sudden they've realized, oh, it wasn't, you know, we're going we're gonna to go along these lines of saying that, look, we didn't mandate anything. We didn't force you to do anything. It was all your choice. Um, because at the end of the day, yeah, it was your choice. It was a choice between losing your job, losing your family, losing your your spouse, uh, or you get the vaccine, right? It, it, that That's the ridiculous of it. And they want to say that it wasn't mandated. Well, just think about the rhetoric they were using in the beginning of 2022. This small fringe minority of people with unacceptable views. I mean, uh, there was uh, that show, um, I, I forget exactly which one it was. It's popular in Quebec. Uh, and Trudeau was on with the, the presenter, whoever she was. Uh, and they were talking about these insane vaccine people. There should be mandates for the vaccine people. Um, this rhetoric has gone on and on and on. Uh, and now I guess they're seeing the dials are turning slowly or the political um, comfort zone of the population is changing. So now they have to address the public in a different way. Um, it, it's an absolute shame. Um, and, and I really, you know, where, where did things go from here? I'm sorry, I'm just rambling uh, on. We're waiting for Tamara to join us again. Um, but where do we go from here? Uh, Trudeau, he's going to be out of office eventually. This other guy is going to be out of office eventually. Uh, what accountability is going to be had while they're in office? That's the big question right now is how much of this are they going to get away with? Um, and like, you look at what's happened over the last few years. There's a lot of things that they've gotten away with. And, and to take a, a small example, I still remember in Toronto, the TTC, the public transit, they implemented a policy near the beginning of the pandemic where bus, buses, the public transport, the front door where you would normally walk on to the bus would always be closed. So everybody had to use the back door. So if you wanted to get on the bus, you had to use the back door. If you wanted to get off the bus, you had to use the back door. This was an idea that they imposed to you know save lives and keep people safe. So instead of having people come through the front entrance and leave through the back entrance and follow a cycle to get out of there. No, everybody's got to go through the same entrance, use the same door handles and all that jazz. Um, they they willy-nilly implemented all of these policies and mandates from you know the bottom to the top. Uh, that literally did nothing. They, if, if not nothing, they were counterproductive. Um, and I'm getting a little feedback. Maybe we have a Tamara joining us now. I'm not 100% sure if she's back yet. Um, but there's, there's that. There's 
we're seeing this shift across the world with these, you know, global leaders uh, and how they're changing that rhetoric. We have Justin Trudeau. Um, and then there's also the fact that this is an ending. Jill Biden, the U.S. First Lady, recently tested positive for COVID. Can, can you believe that? After all of these politicians like Trudeau got COVID right as the Freedom Convoy arrived in Ottawa. It's um, it, it's a little ridiculous. I don't know if we can pull up that uh, that headline there. Yeah. First Lady Jill Biden tests positive for COVID. My first question when I hear this is, why is this news? Why is this a headline? Why do I care that somebody tested positive for COVID? Really, nobody should. Maybe this is, you know, the, the lead into Joe Biden having some serious medical complications um, because we all know his time is, uh, you know, coming, let's say. Um, but it, it's absolutely amazing that they won't drop it. And recently, the, you know, people are testing positive for COVID. There was a new vaccine that got approved. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the chat. Uh, I forget exactly where, but it was in Europe. And it was approved specifically for the new variant of the COVID va uh, virus. Um, but that... That's the exact same problem we've been dealing with over the last few years is the fact that the vaccine, as it were, is supposed to be effective for COVID. And then it was only effective for, you know, this wave. And then you need a new shot for the new wave and a new shot for the new variant. And now they're they're coming out and just saying it plainly. I don't know if we can pull up this uh, or they can find this report for me. But now they're saying it plainly that this new vaccine is only effective for the specific new variant that's being introduced. That's been the problem the whole time is the vaccine's genetic makeup is adjusting or it's transitioning. It's changing as it goes through hosts. As it's going person to person, the virus is naturally evolving. But the vaccines don't do that. The vaccines don't have a natural evolution that follows the COVID-19 virus. Um, so, yeah, a word of uh, caution to anybody who wants to take the new vaccine so that they can be safe from the new variant Um it's just, it is truly all around craziness. Um, but, you know, I, I won't linger on that too much. I know uh, recently, oh yeah, uh, Will updated COVID vaccines. Sorry, I just uh, see the headlines coming up. Will updated COVID vaccines work against latest variant? Canadian scientists monitor global search. Um, I, honestly, I think the more time you spend looking into COVID and being paranoid about it, the more you're just going to be sick because you've got more anxiety, you've got more issues. Live your life and be happy. But um, in terms of, you know, moving on from COVID, there's a, another headline we have about Trudeau. Uh, he arrives in Jakarta, kicking off uh, Indo-Pacific tour. So this is very interesting. I don't know if we can pull that headline up as well. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting. He's going around trying to make these international deals. Um, and, well, I know we are running out of time. So maybe we'll jump uh, to the next one as well. Kenya's leader. Uh, we'll talk about climate change if we can pull that one up. Uh, Kenya's leader says climate change is eating away Africa's GDP, uh, calls for talks on global carbon tax. Um, so this is very interesting. Uh, why is he doing this? I truly don't know. Um, it, it's pretty insane to think that climate change would be the, the problem with Africa's GDP, uh, not the influence of China or the influence of Europe or Africa, uh, pardon me, uh, or United States of America. Um, to think that global warming or climate change is the biggest problem they're facing, um, it, it, just, it seems kind of rich. But this is what calls for talks on a global carbon tax. And what does that mean? Well, it means more money for the elite. Um, and of course, the Kenya's leader here, if climate change is you know a real issue that the world uh, uh, stage kind of accepts and pulls forward more and pulls for a global carbon tax that actually gets implemented, this guy's going to be in the money. 
He's going to be the one getting a, a carbon rebate from the world government because Kenya's suffering because of more advanced uh, nations, you know, advanced technologically or industrially, whatever it may be, that's causing them to, you know, be a larger impactor on climate change. Uh, it, it is pretty insane um, to, to think about this and to think about the fact that this is spreading into Africa, um, this, this concept of, you know, climate change. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I am surprised by it. Uh, but as you see in the Western world, I mean, we we sell propaganda to the world. Um, and a large part of that is environmental stuff, climate change stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, in Canada, our, our environmental minister, Stephen Gilbeau, uh, he used to be an environmental activist for Greenpeace. Uh, and regardless of the fact that now environmental protesters will protest him, um, maybe while he's flying his private jet to China or elsewhere. But the the climate change, environmental stuff, it's it's just so crazy at this point. And, and you really try and break it. Yeah, <laughs> there he is in his uh, amazing jumpsuit there. Uh, but if you try and actually break this down into the science of it instead of the political rhetoric like we're seeing out of Kenya's leader, it, it would be a much different story than most people realize. So it is, it is a tragedy, uh, to say the least, that this rhetoric is being brought forward and that they're going to try and basically take money from rich countries via a carbon tax to bring to countries that can't facilitate their own means. Um, but up next, um, yeah, I do apologize. We are still uh, waiting to pull in Tamara. Um, but I do have a video for you guys in the interim. Uh, and it's, let's see, quote, we've got to stop policing the weather and stop policing natural disasters. So a bit of pushback to all this environmental craziness. Uh, and we can actually see that through Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, of Florida, Florida man, uh, Florida man number one. Uh, let's let's pull that clip right now. Joe Biden and corporate media have been blaming um, climate change for the natural disasters and the hurricanes. What do you think about that? Well, I think if you look, there was the, there was a storm that went on this almost exact track in 1896, and it had 125 mile an hour winds, just like this one. If you look at the state of Florida, the most powerful storm hurricane we've ever had is actually the anniversary is, is now. It's the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. It had 185 mile an hour sustained winds, the most powerful hurricane that's ever been uh, uh, made landfall in the state of Florida, probably in the United States, but certainly in the state of Florida. That ripped up parts of the Florida Keys. It killed hundreds of people. There were people that got caught up in the storm. Their, their clothes got ripped off their bodies. The, the wind was so strong. So I think that the notion that somehow uh, hurricanes are something new, that's just false. And, and we've got to stop politicizing the weather and stop politicizing natural disasters. We know from history, there have been times where it's been very busy in Florida, late 40s, early 50s. You had a lot of hits of significant hurricanes. So I think sometimes people need to take a breath and get a little bit of perspective here. But the notion that somehow if we just adopt, you know, very left-wing policies at the federal level, that somehow we will not have hurricanes, that is a lie. Uh, and that is people trying to take what's happened with, with different types of storms and use that as a pretext to advance their agenda on the backs of people that are suffering. And that's wrong, and we're not going to do that in the state of Florida. Thank you. Well, I guess that all depends on how you feel about weather modification being implemented by the government. But jokes aside, uh, I do think this is a good thing for him to address in the fact that, look, the federal government and the policies they're implementing, whether it be in the states or Canada or elsewhere, to, you know, make a change on climate change, they're they're absolutely insane. And, you know, 
I will end on a slightly lighter note. If we could just pull up that clip for one moment, I want to show you guys something. Uh, and we can end off the day on a perhaps a, a happy side note here. Um, but in the clip, you'll see in the background, uh, they're unloading little Kleenex boxes or what have you from a truck. I don't know if we can just pull that up for viewers for one second. Look at them. Look at them going one by one. There's just all five of them waiting there for one little box. Oh, hand the one little box over. Hand the one little box to that guy. Okay, I'm just saying there's a much more efficient way you guys could do this. Um, but regardless of that, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, and remember, please, if you do want to leave a comment, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, wherever you're watching, uh, we do greatly appreciate it. I do actually read through the comments, even though I know it's a little, you know, uh, distracting at times. But I do thank all of you for sticking around to the end and watching today's live stream. Stay, stay, um, uh, stay on it for tomorrow, and we'll be back. Thank you so much.